0: And now, the award-winning Powerhouse Voice of Radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are now going to talk about sacred intelligence with Dr. Terry Lynn Curry-Avery. Dr. Avery is the founder and owner of Sacred Intelligence, LLC, and a licensed psychologist who's been practicing in the New London, Connecticut area for over a decade. She is also an ordained pastor in the Presbyterian Church. Her background in behavioral health care with children, adults, couples, and families stretches back over 20 years and includes performing evaluations for the State of Connecticut Department of Children and Families the New London School District, and the court systems. In addition, she's been working, her passion has been working with women and helping them to improve their own well-being while simultaneously exploring their relationships with the sacred and with others. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you. Thank you so much, Patricia, for having Good. me. Good. And you also have a book. Yes, I do. And your book is Sacred um, Intelligence, The Essence of Sacred, Selfish, and Shared Relationships. Yes, yes. Interesting. All right, so let's first talk. The first thing I want to know is you this, and I'm curious, uh, and I know our audience would be too, is you call yourself a pastologist, P-A-S-T-O-L-O-G-I-S-T.
2: What does that mean? So what that means is, as you read in my bio, I am a licensed psychologist and I'm also an ordained minister and interestingly enough I worked for quite a number of years as a psychologist and really defined myself as a healer so when I received this call from the sacred to go back to divinity school um, or go to divinity school I kept wondering well why do I need to go to divinity school what is it that I'm not doing as a psychologist that I can do as a pastor. And so I kind of yielded to that call. And what I realized is there's a merging of those two disciplines, the merging of healing people from um, psychological wounds as well as healing people really from some spiritual and religious wounds as well. And so when I thought about being a pastor and being a psychologist, actually coined the, ter- the term pastologist and had mm. it trademarked because I think it really defines more of who I am. I'm just as much a minister as I am a psychologist. And so it blends really the two loves I have uh, mm. together very well. So that's and that would, well. that
1: would tie in, I think, to the title Sacred Intelligence, What does that mean? Does that mean like the intelligence from your inner wisdom, your intuition, your higher voice?
2: Exactly, exactly. So that was, again, merging my two loves together. And really our sacred intelligence is being able to tap into that internal source that we have so that we can make really intelligent choices. And those choices that we make will honor, you know, our creator, the sacred It will honor who we are, which I believe the sacred is within each and every one of us. And it will help us to manifest our greatness. And so when we manifest our greatness, then we can embrace the sacredness in other folks. And then we can see the humanity in others. So it's really what that sacred intelligence is about, is wrapping all those three things together, our sacred relationships and what I call our selfish relationship, and then our shared relationship. So how do you help
1: people when they come to you? Let's say they were, I mean, the the main big ones, a health issue, a relationship issue, a spiritual issue, a money issue. How do you tie those three together and work with people?
2: So how I really tie those things together is that we have to really start out with some basic things. So in any of those things, whether it's health or financial or spiritual, I get to some basic things about who do they think they are as an individual, how do they perceive themselves, how do they show up in the world, how do other folks perceive them, right? So we deal with some very basic things first, and then we get to tap into, okay, what is it? that you're presenting with, this main problem that you're presenting Mm -hmm. with, and then let's get to the core of what's really going on for you. And for many people, it's interesting because in my private practice for years, people would come to me about a core issue, and when we kept digging deeper, we would really see that there were some issues there that were going on with religion or Mm. just being wounded just really not feeling good about who they were, and feeling unloved. And so we have to uncover some of those things, and then really begin to tap into that. And then I try to help them to see that they are loved unconditionally, mm-hmm. and that being loved unconditionally, that love has to come also from internally within us. And so then we get to say, explore their what would you say,
1: Terry when Oh, some of the wounds of religion. Some of the things, and I mean, it may just not be from religion. It could be from family of origin
2: issues. But what are some of the wounds? Well, so let's talk about, I'm glad you asked about some of the wounds of religion because uh, there there are lots of wounds of religion. I probably can't even name all of them. But one of the things that I see the most, um, I see fear coming up. And fear is something that keeps us stuck often in unhealthy situations. I see issues of poor self-worth, uh, stunted emotions, an inability to trust people. Um, and I'm not blaming religion for it. What I'm saying is there's an interpretation of religious doctrine that often keeps people in these places. And sometimes folks, um, they're in this place of shame and doubt and they, They doubt who they were created to be, for instance. And so some of the wounds I see are related to a denial of themselves. Um, At its its worst, I see it as depressed or anxious or irritable. And I think the ultimate wounding of religion that I see is that when we can't embrace other folks' religious beliefs and we think that, Ours is the only way. And so then we began to hate other people as a result of it. So those are some of the deeper wounds that I deal with. Um, And what I try to do is, again, to break it down to its very basic and try to give people insight into who they are and to help them to explore and to feel better about who they were created to be. And do you do
1: that by giving them exercises or breathing
2: techniques? or? Well, I do it in a number of ways. So when I work with individuals on an individual level, because I have several different ways, I do it through coaching, group coaching, I do it through individual sessions, I do it through retreats and workshops. But when I work with people on an individual level, we usually have time to go really in-depthly with what we're doing. And I do exercises with them, as you just suggested. I will do things like um, give them a question where I have them thinking about, for instance, what, what are their beliefs in the sacred? What are their beliefs in themselves? What are some of their fears? You know, I list a series of things. I even take them through exercises where I have them to write a story And that story Mm. has to do with them. And I break it into several different components. And then we kind of visualize what their life has been like, what it's like now, and what they'd like it to be. So So is it their own story,
1: or is it kind of like um, a fable story, or um, like a make-believe story about them?
2: Yeah, no, that's a very good question. It's their own story. Because I believe that we create our own stories, and we can Mm rewrite the chapters that we've had. Yes, yes. And often people yeah. tell them. Yeah. I've had
1: many people, and I've heard this, I've had people say to me over the years, at certain times when I've said things, you know, people have said, yeah, but that's a story you're telling yourself. Right? Exactly. That, you know, I'll say, well, this is because of this, or this is that. Or I hear people saying things like, um, I can't imagine ever meeting anyone because there's nobody out there my age. Well, that's a story <laughs> that they believe, and then they're not going to meet
2: anyone. That's right. That's right. So what I do is I try to get them to shift their thinking. And what I will say to them then, well, imagine if you could meet the person that you wanted to meet. What would that look like for you? Yeah. And so some people can't imagine. So one of the exercises I do with people is take them through visualization. I really Mm -hmm. want them to imagine themselves. I want them to feel life differently than what they've seen Mm-hmm. Before. But I will tell you, Patricia, that people are afraid to step outside of the box. They're afraid to see life any differently than they've always seen it because it requires it them change. to change. Right. It's mm-hmm. changed. Yeah. Right.
1: People do People hate are afraid change. of change. And change is scary. Carolyn, I mean, you know, at least, well, you know, they, I hate to use this word, but they say the W you know, right, is better than the W don't, you know, <laughs> well, and
2: people that is are so, it, It's such a good point because one of the things that I've found over the years is that even people who live in chaotic situations would rather remain in chaotic mm-hmm. situations yes. than to move out of it, mm-hmm. but that's why I work with individuals because I want them to know I am here to support you through your journey. You're not alone. See, most people feel like they're alone, but if they know that they have someone in their corner, even if it's not family or friends, because family and friends can often keep them uh, in their boxes, but if they know that they have someone who's going to support them as they're changing, it makes the change a lot better. And so, you know, one of the other ways that I help people is I do group coaching programs with people because then... There's a network. There's a community network. So when you are feeling down, when you are feeling um, dejected or that you can't move forward, you have a cheering squad in your corner Mm -hmm. who's saying, you can do this, and we're here to help you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so true. All right, we're Mm -hmm. going to take a break, and when we come back, we're talking to Terry Terry Lynn Curry Avery. And she's a PhD and also she is a minister. Her book is Sacred Intelligence, The Essence of Sacred, Selfish and Shared Relationships. And you're listening to the Patricia Raskin show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's voice will be right back.
3: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
0: can you truly be a change agent in your community We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Attention. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN Get the lowdown on guests, new shows and your favorites That's Voice America TRN
1: My guest is Dr. Terry Lynn Curry Avery. She's the creator of Pastology, the cutting-edge field that focuses on the synergy between pastoring and psychology. She holds a PhD from Hoster University and a Master's Divinity from Yale University. And she calls herself a pastologist, speaker, and facilitator of advanced therapy and workshops. Her book is Sacred Intelligence. The essence of sacred, selfish, and shared relationships. Welcome back, Dr. Curry. Welcome back, Avery Lynn.
2: Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. All right, so, Tara Lynn, tell us about people that you've worked with, you know, that really have been wounded by religion, what some of their issues might be, and how you've helped them.
2: Well, Patricia, I want to just say that the wounds of religion, you know, we often think about them as it relates to religious. Um, denominations who are very orthodox or organizations that might be cultish, but I want to point out that there are lots of wounds that happen in mainstream religion, Hmm. and I will acknowledge that most of my work has happened to be in the uh, Christian denomination or Christian faith, excuse me, And and I want to just be clear. Honestly, as a minister, I believe wholeheartedly in religion, and I believe in religion, religious doctrine. But when I work with people, it's really not about my personal belief. I think there are lots of great things about religion, so I just want to put that out there. But I also think that there are a number of harmful things about religion. And so I work with people regardless of what their denomination is and what their faith is practices might be. I try to work within those. But when I hear things that are concerning, such as the ones that I've heard, then you have to really dig into those. So some examples of religious wounds can be anywhere from churches forcing people to tithe and telling them that they're going to go to hell if they oh. don't tithe. Usually, oh. Um I've had people that I've worked with whose pastors have abused them sexually And have abused them when they were teenagers sexually, telling them that this would help, for instance, some health problem that they had. And as a teenager, they knew it didn't feel right, but they were under this leader who had a bit of control over them. I've worked with people who've come in, for instance, and said, well, I just don't think that I can be gay because of my beliefs. But yet and still, I see the trauma that they are experiencing psychologically as a result of not really accepting who they were created to be. I also have worked with people who have been in abusive family situations where their ministers would say, well, you just have to stay with that person because he's the head of the house and you have to just be obedient. That's abuse. And so Mm -hmm. those are some blatant ways that religious um, denominations and authority might abuse us. But then there are other ways, too, that keep us stuck in, for instance, not moving out of a job that we might want to pursue because we believe we should be comfortable and settled where we are, as opposed to reaching our highest potential, Mm -hmm. or... Sometimes when people are looking for a mate, they're told, well, you can't really date anybody outside of the church. I mean, these things, some of them are subtle and some of them are not so subtle. And, and I know some of the listeners might say, well, I would never do that. But I'd I'd invite you to just think about what are some of the ways that you feel bound and connected when you are within your uh, religious community? So yeah. those are some of the wounds that I, I've seen. Yeah, and I've
1: also, well, I've also seen, too, from religious families where there are these, you know, custom rules and tradition rules, and it's it's like a sin if you don't follow them. And, you know, they, they seem like small rules, but, I mean, people then follow them to the letter, and sometimes I feel like they're spending more time following rules than anything else. I don't know if you've come when across that. The re-
2: exactly. They're, they're following the rules, but they're... See, I believe that it's about our relationship with the sacred. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. Sometimes churches even wound people when they say you have to come to church dressed in a certain way. You have to sing in a certain way. You have to act in a certain way. And we have to really, really be careful that that we are not damaging our relationship with the sacred, which I believe is the foundation of all of our relationships. And if we don't get that relationship right, then we don't have a good relationship with ourselves and we don't have mm-hmm. a good relationship with other folks. So uh, I would advise people to just really kind of take a step back and say, hey, what are some of my beliefs? And if you are in any type of religion that does not allow you to question, then that religion is problematic. Mm-hmm. Those practices are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. very important. Mm
1: -hmm. What would you like to leave our listeners with? And also before that, talk about the webinar that you're going to be putting together.
2: Oh, yes. On July 8th, I have a webinar. It will be from 9 to 12 Eastern Standard Time. And this webinar is designed to help people to explore or renew their relationship with the sacred uh, we will, in that webinar, look at whether there are some rel- religious wounds that keep them from moving forward, that keeps them in a place of fear. And I'd like to begin a few exercises that will help them with the healing process. And because it is a webinar, I will only have space for about 50 people. So if folks are interested, I would advise them to register pretty early for that. Um, and what was your second question? What would I like yeah, to well, Yeah, you, what's your mean? message
1: for our listeners? Message and also your contact information.
2: Um, so my message for people is to know that they are indeed loved unconditionally and that there's a purpose and plan for all of us. And we just have to manifest that. We have the sacred that already lives inside of us. And if we tap into that sacred, we can make really good choices. For me, uh, my job is to help you figure out how to tap into that, to give you the exercises that help you to tap into your greatness and and who you are and to know, again, that you're loved unconditionally. If people would like to get in touch with me, they can find me at um, sacredintelligence.com. You can also find me on my Sacred Intelligence Facebook page as well. I would love to answer any questions that people might have. Regarding their woundedness, if they'd like to call me for just a thirty-minute strategy session or uncovering session, I am available to do that. But you can connect with me through my website as well. The other quick thing that I want to say, Patricia, is that I also am available to do uh, live retreats—very intimate retreats and workshops with a group of about ten to fifteen folks. If if that is what folks desire. Uh, I'm okay. available to do that as well.
1: Wonderful. And they can find about all of that by going on to sacredintelligence.com, yes. correct? Yes. And then you're offering yes. a complimentary session the first time, yes?
2: Yes, I do. And also on Facebook, I have a Wounded by Religion Facebook group. If they oh, would great. like to join that, all they have great. to do is just ask me and I'll
1: put them in the okay. group. All right. Thank you so much, Lynn. It was a great interview. Great to talk to
2: you. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. Stay on the line for a minute. All right. Dr. Terry Lynn Curry-Avery, and she's the owner of Sacred Intelligence. Log on to sacredintelligence.com. Learn about her book and her webinars and her live coaching sessions. And again, um, it was really great to have you on, Lynn. All right. Okay. And again, her book is the... Is sacred intelligence the essence of sacred, selfish, and shared relationships? All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need. You know, you can make your dreams come true. Write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com, or like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Until next time, have a great week.